and well, the A to Z Sports Big Orange Podcast. I'm Charlie Burris, usually here with my co-host Zach Reagan, but he's on vacation this week. Going to explain what's happening with the show today in just a second. But wherever you listen throughout the world, we thank you so much for listening to us. Zach and I, when he's here, we talk about everything balls every week here on the Big Orange Podcast. And if you want to listen to it regularly, go over to the A to Z Sports Podcast Network feed and subscribe there. If you subscribe, you won't miss the episodes when we drop them on Mondays. YouTube. You can see right now, we don't have the regular setup. It's like just me and all of my glory. You can see the background. You can see perpetual guest Vern Lundquist right behind me. A to Z Sports on YouTube. Search it up and subscribe there if you want to watch the podcast. And you can do that at Charlie Burris, at Zach TNT, at A to Z Sports, Facebook.com slash A to Z Sports, Nashville on the social medias, A to Z Sports.com for all the stuff that Zach and I write on the internet. Zach is still writing stuff. He's still around this week for that. So I don't know. The man is still working on his vacation. God bless him. He's... Uh, He's a workaholic, but it's not going to be a solo episode today. I've got some guests to uh, come in and talk, and of course, what we're going to talk about, everybody has been seeing it for the last week, is just this giant recruiting week that Tennessee had. It was absolutely massive. You had commitments from, if I can think off the the top of my head, you had uh, Shandavian Bradley, obviously five-star edge rusher, Jalen Smith, who was a three-star linebacker. They were the two most recent. Uh, Shem Umarov, Shemurad Umarov, uh, an awesome, awesome name for a four-star uh, offensive lineman. And then Cam Selden, who was a four-star athlete, wide projected to play wide receiver at, at Tennessee, all committed to Tennessee this week. Tennessee shoots up the rankings. They're number five on 247 Sports right now um an incredible week recruiting and we're going to talk about that and when i say we i mean me and a to z sports founder uh one of the brains behind this entire operation that we do this silly show on austin stanley is going to do that with me uh here in just a bit we're going to talk about that recruiting we're going to talk about the rise rise glorious danny white's uh plan that he put out for uh for the future for Tennessee athletics. And to me, it's really ambitious. It's a really cool set of goals that show Tennessee is actually kind of moving in a direction that they haven't moved in with an athlete, with an athletic director in 20 plus years. I, I don't know. It, it just shows a lot of, a lot of competence. I like a lot. We're going to talk about that. And then uh, we, me and Austin will also talk about the interview that I did this week with Barrett Salee of CBS Sports. Going to show that in just a second. Uh, Barrett brought up some points that I want to talk to Austin about, about uh, conference realignment and and some things like that. So we're going to get to it all. Uh, it's going to be a huge show. Thanks so much to Austin for helping out. And now, thanks so much to Barrett Salee for coming on the show. Talk to him over the weekend. He came through in the clutch with, uh, with Zach on vacation. If you don't know Barrett, he, I tell him this in the interview. He's one of the very, very few good ones in national media. <laughs> um, he has at different points genuinely had Tennessee's back in some of these big, what do you call them, debacles, I guess, that Tennessee has gone through. He he was uh, behind Tennessee during Shiano Sunday. 
he he's just been he's been a bro to to the Vols. Um, and he's not you know going out and bad mouthing Tennessee at every turn just to get clicks like old Walken and all of his ilk. Um, so Barrett, cool dude. I love his stuff. Uh, he posted the CBS Sports rankings of uh, SEC coaches, and we talk about that. It's a great interview. And honestly, you probably don't want to hear me ramble about the interview. You probably just want to hear the interview. So let's just get to it. Here it is. I, I've never done this on, on the show, but we're going to play this interview. Hopefully this works right and technology cooperates with me. This is me, Barrett Salee talking vol football this upcoming season and everything uh, else like that and uh, and we'll come back with austin stanley after this interview plays so we'll see you on the other side here we go all right we are talking now with cbs sports national college football writer barrett salee uh appreciate you coming on barrett i'll, I'll start off with this, you released earlier this week your SEC coach rankings for 2022. You put Josh Heupel at number 10, one spot ahead of Shane Beamer, which I think Tennessee fans uh, appreciate, but one spot behind Billy Napier at Florida. And my question is this, uh, why did you put Josh Heupel so low and why are you a huge Florida homer? Go. <laughs> well, uh, in full disclosure, I actually had Josh Heupel much higher than Billy Napier. That was a ranking of uh, our entire college football staff, both at CBSSports.com and, and 24-7 Sports as well. So I definitely had Josh Heupel uh, se uh, several spots, actually, uh, over Billy Napier. And while Billy mm -hmm. Napier had a ton of success at Louisiana, um, success that I, I don't think can be ignored, uh, the fact that he is at Florida now first time at a big program, not necessarily recruiting as well as uh, maybe he should and maybe as well as his reputation suggested he could uh, is concerning. I think Josh Heupel, it's one of those things now where, okay, the offense is going to work. It's kind of like Lincoln Riley and Bob Stoops at Oklahoma uh, about five, ten years ago where, you know, slowly but surely the defense started to come along, but it was slow, but the offense was legit from – you know, the moment uh, the, the first snap of the season took place. So I think that Josh Heupel is in a really good spot. I, I think Florida will be fine, but right now I think Josh Heupel is in a uh, really good spot to keep Tennessee relevant. Now, obviously, on this show, we are big Tennessee homers, but we, we made the comparison a little bit, and this specifically stemmed from Billy Napier calling it was somebody he hired. He called him the game-changing coordinator or something like that. <laughs> Easy. And we were like, is this my Butch Jones? Is this Florida Butch Jones? Is that a, is that a dumb comparison? Or are we just biased? Oh, well, I think you're jaded. That would be the right way to put it. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think whenever you, you have situations where you try to create sizzle any way you possibly can, the comparison to Butch Jones is valid. There is no doubt about that. But here's the thing with Butch Jones, and you guys know this, and, and I – was very high on Butch Jones uh, in the mid-2010s, uh, as well as you guys. He was all right as a coach, at least for a little while. I think he it, it went off the tracks in a, in a tragic way when he realized he couldn't sustain any level of success, any, anything close to the level of success that he had when he was basically one Florida Hail Mary away from, from winning the East. But uh, Billy Napier... I don't necessarily think that's a fair comparison in the sense that I think he's actually a really dang good football coach. I don't think Butch Jones is. I think Butch Jones was um, was all sizzle and no steak. 
I mean, Billy Napier has Louisiana in the top uh, 25 at the end of the season, each of the last two seasons. He's a consistent 10-win coach, either was first or tied for first in his division in, uh, in, in each of his three years there. So I think he's certainly a better football coach than Butch Jones. I think from a from a hype standpoint and a PR standpoint, yeah, he might be a diet version. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Well, we'll we'll see. I, I'll I'll put it this way. I hope you're wrong about him being a good football coach, but uh, <laughs> you you are spot on a lot of the time. So, uh, I'll just go straight to the 2022 season for Tennessee. What what do you see uh, for for Hypel this season? A, a decent amount of turnover, but not a super different team uh, going in. What is kind of your your view, your outlook for us this year? Yeah, just play enough defense. I think that's it. You know, when you have a, a guy in Hendon Hooker who's ultra reliable at quarterback and he's been the unquestioned starter for a full offseason as opposed to last year when when Joe Milton essentially was, um, that's that's going to be a fantastic, fantastic bonus for Tennessee. Uh, I think the, the tempo allows Tennessee to dictate basically the style of every game. They're the only SEC East team that can that can do that outside of Georgia. So Styles make fights, right? And if you're in a situation at Tennessee where you have you're getting into a 30 point game, Tennessee's going to have a massive advantage. I don't think there's any doubt. So uh, I think Tennessee's a, an eight and four style team. Um, I don't think that would be winning or losing any toss ups. I think that should be the expectation. I do think that could they go to nine wins? Yeah, I think losses to Alabama and losses to uh, loss to Georgia. Uh, and one toss up, you know, somewhere is certainly achievable. So I, I think they're the second best team in the SEC East um, by far. I think they're closer to Georgia than they are to everybody else because I'm still not buying the Kentucky hype. And um, we'll see about South Carolina and Missouri. So um, and Florida, I think, you know, still got a lot to do from a player development standpoint. So I'm, I'm bullish on Tennessee this year relative to everybody else in the SEC East other than Georgia, which is a pretty pretty hefty qualifier but you know it's still something that i think it needs to be to be said because they're certainly on the rise yeah i'd be, I'd be happy with eight and four at this point as th thinking back to my childhood as sad as that might be compared to where we were at that time <laughs> but uh i'll i'll ask this because this is what so many people are thinking about recruiting at tennessee tennessee reportedly supposedly allegedly put qualifiers on it <laughs> eight eight million bucks to recruit um and this all this nil money flying around it's just such a huge topic right now uh what are what are your thoughts on how this is unfolding is this is this gonna ruin college football there's a lot of people that think that there's a lot of people that think it's the best thing that's happened to college football in, in so long i'm in that second camp i i really think it's a great thing but but what are kind of your your thoughts since Tennessee has been such a big player in this this NIL landscape? Well, Charlie, you know what also ruined college football? The forward pass, World War II, <laughs> the Bowl Alliance, the BCS, the college football playoff, the transfer point, like all this stuff ruins college football. Like it's not it's it's so such a lame talking point to say that it's ruining a sport that is the second most popular sport in the country. And one that has massive, massive backing from television networks and that are not only uh, well established in the college football realm, but understand that in this age of streaming, live sports are really the only way 
that you can consistently reach uh, consumers as an advertiser. So I'm pretty sure the TV networks are going to be okay with it. So as far as NIL goes, I mean, I'm fine with it. If a player gets, you know, $8 million to, to sign with the team. Okay. Yeah. Technically that's against NCAA rules, but it's not against state laws and they take precedent. You know, if, if Tennessee paid $8 million to Nico and the NCAA tries to punish Tennessee, they're going to be like, no, 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 we're good in Tennessee. It's, it's legal you know, go kick rocks. Um, so, I, you know, I think it, it's going to be interesting, though. You're in the golden age right now if you're a high school athlete or you're a transfer athlete because this stuff is going to level off. You know, if Nico doesn't start at Tennessee or is a complete failure and they paid, you know, $8 million for him, um, then the collectives or in some cases the car dealership or whatever, you know, they're going to realize the return on investment isn't there or it's too risky. It's too risky of an investment. So um, because all this stuff is above board, which means, you know, there's tax implications and all that stuff. So, you know, it's, it's going to be like this for a little while and then it'll level off and everybody will be fine and college football will move on and it'll still be the, the greatest sport in the world. So I, I don't think it's going to be that big of a deal. I think Tennessee did a great job, you know, sort of getting out in front of how this thing has sort of evolved where you can air quote recruit players through NIL without really breaking laws, maybe bending rules in the NCAA's mind. Um, and and that'll uh, really that has to do with two things. One, I think organization from Tennessee's standpoint, which is very good, especially considering how desperate that program has been to win. Uh, but also state laws. It, it's it it is allowed. Tennessee is allowed to to do that more quickly, more efficiently than other states. And I think really that's that's the problem that got the whole Jimbo Saban thing started last month. Well, we are very much uh, on the same page there. I. It also kind of leads into this discussion about everybody thinks that conference realignment is going to ruin college football. There's a lot out to ruin college football right now. You know, according to some folks, everything <laughs> is going to just bring down the entire institution. A lot of people look with uh, the the realignment stuff and they say mm-hmm. that the, the rivalries are going to go away. And, you know, that, that's it's the end of college football as we know it. What what do you think about that? Because the report this week, Miami, Virginia, Virginia Tech, looking at coming into the, the SEC, if that report is to be believed, I mean, that would be a big shift. What, what are your thoughts as a, as a sort of SEC homer that you are? Well, there's four out-of-conference rivalries in the ACC-SEC that survived, survived everything. You can survive might be some like Oklahoma, Nebraska that we saw 10 years ago that dissolved and Utah uh, BYU is one that has not been on the books every single year. So it's going to happen. I don't think there's any doubt of that, but uh, there's going to be plenty of ways to keep them most of the time. And if it doesn't happen every year, okay, fine. Right? Like Georgia and Georgia deck didn't play during the COVID year. That, that, that happens. Clemson and South Carolina didn't play during the COVID year. It happens. You know, it's the same thing with with conference schedules in the SEC. If you don't play every year, you play every other year, and that's okay. You know, that's not a huge deal. Um, so, as far as changing the landscape, look, I mean, I think there's this idea that the the Big Ten and the SEC are going to be the Big Two, and that the Big Twelve, the ACC, you know, whatever, they're going to find a way to they're they're going to be a, a couple steps behind. Well, we've talked about the age of four super conferences for like 15 years now. And if the SEC and the Big Ten are the two powers, guess what that sounds like? It sounds like right now. 
The SEC and the Big Ten are still the powers. So, yeah, you might have a Clemson pop up. You might have a Washington or an Oregon or whatever. Okay. I don't see what's the what the difference is. So I think it's going to streamline things more than anything else. Yeah, we're, we're very much in agreement on, on all that stuff. I I like hearing that. The, my, my talking points that I've made on this show are backed up by somebody that probably more people trust. Um, I, I don't I'll know. Ask, people trust me. They got some problems. <laughs> well, e- either way, you're, I, I, would, I would put it this way. For Tennessee fans, you are one of the very few good ones <laughs> in national media. Uh, we we yeah. don't trust many of them, but you are in that. Well, but, oh, go ahead. Well, well, Andy Staples and I on Chiano Sunday were the two that that had Tennessee's back, and uh, I'm glad you guys never forgot that because that's something that uh, that Andy and I talk about quite a bit on our uh, SiriusXM show. It genuinely means a lot to, to have that because <laughs> just everybody was just gunning for Tennessee and and has been kind of since because we i mean obviously the, the fan base drives a lot of clicks and you know uh, uh enraging us gives you a lot of traffic but uh yeah we we appreciate it but i'll i'll finish with this on on the note of the last two questions that i asked you have the nil you have the conference realignment all of this is just inevitable it's a tr- big train coming down the tracks that's finally mm-hmm. arriving is the NCAA gonna die? It needs to die, right? I go away. We don't need you anymore. Will will we actually see that sometime soon? No, I, I think it's gonna change quite a bit. I think you'll see football separate and football still fund every other you know college athletic program. But the NCAA just ceasing to exist, I don't think it's gonna happen because they're still gonna operate the lesser sports. They're still gonna get their March Madness paycheck, which is the most important thing to them anyway. So if football breaks off and funds everything else, everything else that the NCAA is associated with at each institution, I think they're fine with that. And honestly, I think that's that's a pretty acceptable sort of solution to all of this because we all know equestrian is not football. You know, women's lacrosse is not football. Um, you know, men's soccer is not football. So if those sports can, t- can, can uh, still be funded by football with the NCAA still having a say in all of them, including its big moneymaker, I don't see what the problem would be, um, especially if it can properly adapt to, you know, NIL rules and transfer portal rules and all that stuff after football breaks away. So I, I think it's just going to be like that. I think football is going to become a separate, separate entity, um, you know, associated with universities, funding universities. But outside the the auspices of the NCAA, which I think is a, a win for fans, a win for the NCAA, and a win for college football. Yeah, I mean, college basketball is almost a more compelling part of the whole thing with this conference realignment because you get these super leagues. And I I, I know you got to go. Do Do you have thoughts on college basketball at all in terms of how that plays in? Because you said they're still going to get their NCAA tournament money, and that's really been the most interesting thing. Because if football breaks off, does basketball not also? I mean, it's such a huge enterprise, right? Well, no, because because access to championships are really all that matter from a financial standpoint, right? So the MAC in football doesn't have access, but the MAC and the MAAC, the MAAC, have access <laughs> in basketball. So if you have a 32-team, you know, Big Ten or a 64-team Big Ten, you're still going to have access for you know for a lot of these conferences because of their automatic bids and the fact that the NCAA is not going to change that. So um, I just I think from a from an expansion standpoint, from a realignment standpoint. Um, it, it really doesn't matter in basketball. And I think there's this idea that, you know, the ACC could get raided and North Carolina and Duke could separate. Okay, you play, a, you play an out-of-conference game every year. What's the big deal? How many, 
casual fans outside of those two fan bases care who wins the ACC regular tournament or regular season? Nobody. Like that's it's a non-factor. So I think basketball will be fine. Bring Duke in and kick Vandy out. That's my solution. That's. <laughs> but I, I don't know. It's you. Don't say anything about that. I don't know. Well, here's the thing, Charlie. I know you're a Tennessee fan, but Nashville is the best road trip in the SEC. It is. It really is. I'm I'm going there next month for, I mean, my sister lives there and I'm going for like a birthday weekend with my wife. Like it is, it's a great destination it's awesome. out of anywhere. Yeah. As much as it pains me to, to say anything nice about Bandy, that's true. <laughs> um, Barrett, I really, really appreciate it. This was awesome. Thanks so much for your time and, and just know that uh, the Tennessee fans, we, we uh, really appreciate all, all that you do in defending us. Well, I appreciate that. I'm here for you guys. All right. Thanks again. There you go. Barrett Salee. I'm back here. And now we're going to bring in the great Austin Stanley of A to Z sports uh, fame. The, I, would you say co-founder and uh, creator of yeah. essentially A to Z yeah. sports? The great works too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. I've never been called the great, but that works too. But yeah, yeah, co-founder, co-creator. I mean, you re- the this a. whole the whole thing that you built here is pretty pretty great. I I would say. I mean, I I kind of benefit from it if I'm being totally <laughs> honest. <laughs> you know, whatever. Uh, but thanks again to Barrett for that that interview. I, I really enjoyed. He's just one of the best out there. Uh, but Austin. We're talking now. We're going to talk about some of what Barrett said in just a bit, but we got to get to what the people really want to talk about. This recruiting that happened this week, uh, it's one of the biggest weeks for Tennessee recruiting in a pretty long time, I guess, really since they got Nico. But even going back from there, that was only one recruit, even though it it was a massive recruit. But uh, you get four players this week. Again, uh, it was... Cam Seldon, four-star wide receiver. Shemarad Umarov, four-star offensive lineman. Shandavian Bradley, five-star edge rusher. Jalen Smith, three-star linebacker. Tennessee shoots up to fifth in America on the 247 Sports rankings right now. Do you have thoughts on recruiting? I know you you cover Titans for the most part. Yeah. You're a Tennessee guy. I guess we should have said that. A Tennessee grad, I believe. And That's um, correct. Yeah, you, you have opinions. Yes, um, I do have I do have opinions. I think the the I was also on vacation this past week. And so I, I kept getting like dings on my phone while at the beach because there were more commitments. So, I mean, that's not a bad thing. That's great. Right. But I think the best thing about the three of the four commitments where you had defense, defense, offensive line, and that's what you really want to start seeing rolling in for this Josh Heupel team as he's trying to flip the roster, make the roster fit what he wants to do is that you need, you still need big guys. You still need speed. And you still have to have guys who can tackle and affect the other quarterback. And I think you got a couple of those with the linebacker, the obviously the edge rusher, and then offensive line. I'm I'm fascinated to see what type of offensive line recruit is needed for this system. You know, because like I, you could all you could argue because they get rid of the ball so damn fast that you don't have to have the five star like six five three hundred twenty pound like prototype of left tackle. You need the guy, maybe you need the guy who's 300, but he's quicker. He has some more speed and he's in better shape, right? Like, I'm just curious to see how kind of how this staff targets their offensive alignment recruits, right? I, I definitely did think about that with the, the Umarov. 
Um, really interesting kid. He said he's Turkish, but moved to America from Russia when he was a child and then has lived in Georgia since then. They got him out of Georgia and Georgia wanted him. I mean, that from yeah. the jump is massive. Um, but 6'6 and 337 pounds. So, I mean, he's huge. I, I, yeah, I don't know <laughs> that he's going to be real quick off the block with. Uh, I mean, but it, but build, it but... sounds like he's got some nasty in him, right? Yeah, from, oh, yeah. the, from his background. I. Any, yeah, any more like more that. like Russian offensive lineman. Yeah, yes. sounds great. <laughs> exactly. Like any any player like that. I mean, you know, it's it's kind of one of those names that maybe you could hear like in the stadium, like Umarov and people being like, oh, you know, yeah. getting getting some chance like that going. Uh, but uh, I loved that pickup. I'm totally there with you. This set of players that they were able to get this week is almost more impressive. I mean, the pickup of Nico is just, you know, you can't say enough about that. But this set of players, to get a five-star defensive player, I don't know that I ever thought that that would really happen with Josh Heupel. We kind of said coming in, mm-hmm. we were like, with, with the way that he coaches, it's going to be so hard to get defensive guys to come play in the system because you're basically going like, we're going to wear the absolute hell out of you yeah. with this system. You're going to play tons and tons of snaps in every single game and kind of get dirt thrown on you because by by the nature of that, you're going to give up a lot of yards and you get a guy like Shandavian Bradley. It's massive, man. Right. It is. It's, well, it's interesting, too, because, uh, you know, when you when you and Jonathan Crompton were doing your six and a half hour live stream of the Music City Bowl <laughs> oh. that we did. <laughs> oh. uh, did you guys take bathroom breaks? I don't even know if we've talked about that. We did. We uh Basically, uh, it was just kind of unannounced. Like we would text and then kind of like just disappear, just dip bounce. Reed, uh, we had producer yeah. Reed hop on. That's sometime. right. That's right. Cause I did, yeah. cause I was in the press box for that. The reason why I bring that up, I was in the press box, uh, for that game and I was streaming you guys through one ear and watching the game on the, in the press box. And behind me were like the UT stat information guys. And they were, they were tracking a school record that was about to be broken. Right. And it was the tackles for loss in a season. It was the most tackles for loss in a season by any Tennessee defense. And it was well over 100. It was like 107 or something is is what they ended up with because they had five or six or seven of them in that game against Purdue. So my my thought is you're bringing in guys while this defense is going to play 90 snaps in a game. It's a lot of opportunity for playmakers on defense to make plays, whether it's an edge rusher like Bradley or like Caleb Herring from Riverdale. So you got two top 10 edge rushers on in this class. Maybe they're just seeing, hey, points are going to be scored by this Vols offense. I'm going to be on the field for a lot of opportunity. The other team's going to say, we need to keep up with this offense. Maybe I can rack up some sacks, rack up some TFLs, show my skill sets to say I can still be that sack guy in a defense that might give up 30 points a game just because of the nature of the tempo, but I can still show good film, be productive and show my skill set to the next level because I'm going to get 90 snaps or, you know, an edge rusher is not playing 90 snaps. Maybe I, I'm going to get 50 snaps a game to go do what I want to do. That's a, that's a great point. Uh, and I mean, uh, we even, I was having a conversation with some friends just in the last couple of weeks. Uh, and we were talking about if you could bring back one Tennessee player to help this team, who would it be? And none of us, our mind did not go to, 
you know, Josh Dobbs or somebody like that. Obviously, you have him in Hooker, and he's he's a great option there. So you don't really need that. But we, at least two of the guys that we were talking to, we automatically went to AJ Johnson because you look at a guy like that. That dude would have four million tackles in a season in this defense, <laughs> and and like that, it would be so valuable. Hopefully, these kids that they're bringing in can be a sort of all over the field yeah. dudes like that. But that would be so valuable with this team right now and hopefully they have that guy i'm not sure who it'll be but we'll see can i play that game too yeah do it my my first thought was Dion grant hmm so you yeah you went like back i went that went uh, back i mean i don't yeah. know like i don't know the, the rules on the on how far back but i went back no i mean that would be superstar any... center field safety that is yes. also physical enough to you know to to take away the the middle of the field like that it you know it just it, right now anything on defense that would be that helpful would just be so massive for this mm-hmm. team because you just saw at the especially at the end of the season like couldn't save their lives like it just was hard to watch. I mean the end of the and, Purdue game was bonkers. Like I at that point oh, I moved from the press box down to the field and I know like you're used to doing that in the past of like watching the last five minutes of the fourth quarter on the field. And it was just like 70 yard touchdowns just going back and forth <laughs> like freaking tennis. <laughs> I, mean, I just, I don't know how it kept happening. God, it's hard on my health. Uh, yeah. I know that much, but it's to, uh, to this point, great recruiting going on for Tennessee right now, but you're not going to see the, the fruits of that labor mm-hmm. for another year. Next year, obviously, we can talk about next offseason. But this year, to want to get your thoughts on something that Barrett said here. He predicted 8-4 and four on the season, which a lot of people have been predicting. I, I'm probably kind of split. I don't know what I'll... We'll have our preseason predictions here before too long. I'm kind of like 8-9 wins, but if it could go off the tracks, you know, 6 is a possibility if you don't win the ones you're supposed to. But what do you think about that? And he said uh, the the quote was, I think you may have missed it there if you didn't mm. see it because it was at the beginning of the interview. Um, he said Tennessee is by far the second best team in the SEC East and will go eight and four this season. So did he say have, who the four were, the four losses? He obviously Alabama, Georgia, I, uh, and then some toss ups because you have Pittsburgh. Yep. LSU in yep. Death Valley yep. uh, at South Carolina should definitely. But- ends up being a revelation who knows yeah and that south carolina game's in mid-november so spencer rattler yeah. could either be really good by then or fall apart you just have yeah, no not, idea not playing <laughs> yeah and then like that they're on like their fourth quarterback because of injuries or you never really know but i think the floor man because you do have some tough road games like at pit at you know, because they have the who is it? The Slavis quarterback is that who Pitt's quarterback? They got a, had a transfer, Slovis, yeah. yeah, Slovis. Uh, so they had a transfer too, but no Addison, who Tennessee could not guard last year either. Um, so you know, I think you can beat Pitt. Um, so that's a big one. You have to beat Florida. I know you and Zach Reagan talked about this a few weeks ago. God. Absolutely have to beat Florida this year. It's in Neyland. Florida's in transition. I don't know if they have anybody that truly scares you that usually there's the one every Florida loss for Tennessee. There's one Florida player who just balls out and you're like, why, 
does this guy just have to have the game of his life today? And so I don't know who that person might be for Florida this year, but there's going to be somebody. But you have to beat Florida. At LSU is interesting because it's coming off the bye week um, and then right before Alabama coming to Knoxville. So that, that, again, LSU somewhat in transition. Man, it's really tough. I think the floor is seven. Uh, I think the ceiling's probably nine. I don't think the ceiling's ten. I think people get too excited sometimes and say, oh, they can go 10 and 2. They'll lose to Alabama and lose to Georgia. That's it. They can beat they can beat all those other teams, but will they? Like, I think they have legitimate chances to win in 10 games this season, but I think nine's probably the ceiling, seven's the floor. So, you know, eight and four is pretty safe. I I think even I've definitely heard some people say, like, if Tennessee can get through Pittsburgh and Florida, it's nine and three. It's still going to be really hard to, and and I guess the that third loss being at LSU, I think a lot of people are kind of assuming it's just right. so hard to win at at LSU. We, I'm hoping, praying that Brian Kelly kind of stinks and is just a terrible fit there, but I'm not banking on it. Um, but I, I still think even in that scenario, it will be amazing. Mm-hmm. Beating Florida will be amazing, but it just feels like with how crazy Hypel's system is, where it just is like. Feast or famine, you know, up and down roller coaster games. It just feels like you could drop one, drop a weird one. You just, the offense isn't working against like at South Carolina and you just, Missouri, although that game's in Neyland, you better not lose that game. That would be terrible. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I, cause w- I, I, I knew these numbers months ago, right? But like the, like in every game Tennessee won, they were like well above 30. I think they average. Yeah. I think here. I think they averaged forty nine or fifty points a game in wins last season. Yeah, and they would pour it on really quickly. I mean, Heupel is just so much of that. Just like take the top off, sixty yard pass. It's almost like basketball seconds. spurts. It's like it's like a game yeah. of runs. It's like the, all of a sudden, you know, you put up twenty one points in a quarter, and and they had to fix the second quarter problem. Remember, like that mm-hmm. was a big deal. Is like they'd come out hot out of the gates, in so many games, put up nice points, score touchdowns, then blow it all in the second quarter. Like how many times did they do that? They did it against Pitt. I remember they did it against um, Georgia and Alabama. And then they did it against Purdue at the end. They let South Carolina, of course, they got Tennessee got up by so much. And that that one, that, that, yeah, that didn't matter. But they, they did. I mean, they went flat for a whole huge portion of that game. They had just buried South Carolina so deep at that point that yeah, it, didn't it was like matter. twenty-eight to nothing. Yeah, before like the you know last TV timeout of the quarter, it was insane. But, yeah, those those long stretches of not producing offense that's gotta that's gotta change. So yeah, man, pl- plenty plenty to work on. Like I said, as the as the season gets closer, and we are really <laughs> genuinely closing. Yeah, I mean, what six weeks now? Um, well, SEC right Media Days next week. Oh man, that's crazy. Uh, I guess just because baseball, it tidied us over so well, you get kind of deep into June even with it. So, uh, but with, with that said, I, if, if we can make this quick, you're, you're a little time crunched, uh, like bear was, but, uh, Danny, Danny white, I, I did want to bring this up and I actually, I didn't mention this to you before the show, so I apologize, I, but I don't think I'm going to catch you too off guard with this, but Danny white <laughs> last week implemented, uh, this rise glorious plan. It sounds like a sermon series at a 
contemporary church. Rise glorious church. Yeah. I don't like that. Uh, <laughs> that branding is very like who came up with that. Like usually Tennessee's really good at that stuff. Like, I, it was a little, I was like, right. What rise glorious? That's weird. Like it could have literally just been some, you know, just like our championship plan. Like you didn't yeah, have yeah, to yeah, just make it too, too hard on that one. Yeah. But I, it did actually show to me, my take on it was, it, it was this plan where they, I had the actual quote here. They said, Tennessee, quote, will win a national championship in at least one sport every four years, and each sport will achieve at least one national top 16 finish every four years. And it was like these lofty but realistic expectations, and it was a lot of talk of just like, we're going to have the best winning culture at Tennessee and all these, and, and it just defines it really exactly. It creates accountability for yeah. everybody. It creates standards for everybody to kind of go like, all right, we haven't won a championship. What are we doing? Who, where can we uh, improve? And I love it because I don't know that Tennessee's athletic department has looked this competent in 25 years i don't know <laughs> like, well, like, has, has any major university come out and been like yeah here's our plan we're gonna win a national championship every four years and I just don't know. Like, wait what like who just like who does that like, yeah. i don't think i've ever seen that being been done like i mean alabama obviously like, yeah we're goal is to win the title every year but still like but for an athletic department to say here is our plan to cycle through national titles and do it across the board, not just because we have Nick Saban or something like that, right? But actually having a full athletic department that can feed off of each other. And and it's a great way to create real standards around the crazy momentum that Tennessee has. Um, you know, you went from really dark days to all of yeah. a sudden, you're almost in like a golden age where baseball is cooking, basketball wins an SEC championship, football's on the rise. And all of the and the women's basketball is looking better. Like you just sort of everything seems to be on the up. And this goes, we're not just gonna be okay with on the up. Yeah. Yeah. Let's win some championships. We gotta put well, some trophies in the trophy case. And just like you talked about, like baseball carried us all through most of June. Now it came up short. And I think, you know, I know in our text thread with me, you and Reagan that you know we were not thrilled with how the baseball season ended but it got you into june and then now you can have that feed into football then football i thought had a positive energy feeding into basketball last year and then basketball fed nicely into baseball and you have a wheel that goes around in at least the men's athletics but you see you know josiah jordan james out at the baseball games that's good like that's just healthy and you're going to see a lot more of that stuff. Uh, Fulkerson goes out to all the games even after he was done. You know, it, it's just that that's such a healthy thing to be a part of. And it's only going to make people better. And the accountability thing's huge, too. I, I have wondered, are they are they pushing the, the kids from other sports to go attend other games? Because it's Danny White has made it so clear he wants this synergy this pulling in the same direction. We're all going in the same way. Or are those guys just, I mean, Folky is such a Tennessee legend. At, I think by, by the end of this coming season, Josiah Jordan James will be a, a long remembered great player in Tennessee basketball. Just the way that he's shaping up. He just really has turned a corner. However he did it. Mm. Um, but then they're going out and doing these, you know, kind of creating community going yeah. and uh, collaborating, so to speak with these other programs. I wonder if they're, 
pushing that specifically like going to the athletes being like all right guys let's go i mean yeah i get you never like want to believe things are like that good that they're just doing it on their own because of the good of their heart right like i I mean maybe but i they're definitely encouraging i'm sure you know like I, I, i don't know about like your high school but in my high school, it was encouraged. Hey, go to the volleyball game tonight. Mm-hmm. You know, hey, football practice ends at five. Volleyball or soccer starts at six. Why don't you just hang out, <laughs> get a lift in, and then go watch the game? I don't know. Like, it's just like there's a lot of things that you can do that just help. Um, and so I'm sure that Danny White's trickling that down to the players. And But they've got a couple of the right guys that go out there and do it. I missed – that dropped out. I don't know if it dropped out on your side. The vit, like the last couple of things you said, it froze for a second. Oh, just that. Uh, I think they have. I'm sure that Danny White has that message and he's trickling it down. But that they have some of the right athletes in place to go oh, out yeah. and actually execute it. Right. Yes, exactly. But it's yeah. the small details like that that with Danny White. I mean, you look and you just go, this guy actually knows what he's doing. He actually knows what looks good, what is going to build, like I said, build community, and just these kind of things where. I mean, specifically with Phil Farmer. I mean, he just didn't know what he was doing. And then you go back from there to like a Dave Hart. And I don't, I think Dave Hart knew what he was doing, but he just didn't care. He didn't, he didn't have that fire behind him where I think it feels like Danny White, probably behind the scenes. I've said this a number of times. He feels like he's probably like a shark, Like he doesn't take BS off anybody. I would bet he puts on this real nice face. I'm publicly facing. I just feel like I may be wrong about that. And I don't want to, you know, yeah, smirch him it, if that it, sounds it, bad, but but it's probably like the good type of yes energy. It because exactly. you know I've I've known some people who have worked in the athletic department over the course of the transition and years and all that, where a lot of times it was like you know walking around, everybody had everybody was tight, you know, and everybody was on edge, and that's not good, right? Because then you make more mistakes because you're on edge. But with Danny White, it just seems full of energy and and not saying just optimism to be you know blindly optimistic but just the expectations are higher and they're carrying themselves that way but again like back to the players like like josiah jordan james has to be good on the court for him to have an impact to go to the baseball games right he can't just be he can't fail at meeting his expectations and then just go to the baseball games just to keep it up like you gotta have both Definitely. Uh, but it's whatever they're doing. seems like it's working. Hopefully. I mean, football, you got to get football working at a higher level. It just, it carries everything. It, it's like the whole thing. And I'm sure that Danny White knows that. And he's really pushing that, but we'll. That's why he hired Heupel though. Right. Cause like, you know, you had Danny White before Heupel and he wanted to get Heupel in there to be done his way. And yeah. it's working so far. I, and a lot of people have been panicking about the NIL stuff because these reports have come out that Danny White has kind of behind the scenes. He made some publicly, but behind the scenes, supposedly, he's kind of going like, all right, let's take it down a notch. Let's not provoke the NCAA uh, to kind of come after us since they're already in the building. Um, and that's scared some people, but I, I would say you just got two, four stars and five star, uh, for the football. So <laughs> it's, it's working. Yeah. Okay. I think. Yeah, for sure. It's, and, and defensive guys, right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's, 
yeah, I mean, I, I already said it. That's crazy that the the level of player they've been able to get at positions that I would have figured they never would have been able to. So hopefully they can take advantage. Um, but we'll we'll finish with this. This was another part of what Barrett said. The realignment in conferences is pretty insane. You, the report this week, who was it? Miami, Virginia, Virginia Tech, Clemson? Looking yeah. at coming into the SEC, I Florida think was State. the set. Was it, I think Florida, Florida State. State. Florida State. Yeah. Um, uh, it's hard to imagine the SEC like that. But do you think that that's a good thing in in the long term? Because it, I mean, it's inevitable. It's a train that's coming down the track, so you just gotta prepare for impact. But um, how do you how are you feeling about it? Was it a good thing in 1992? This is what I'm saying. This is, I mean, I'm with you. Remember when, you remember like Tulane and Swanee were a part of the SEC too at one point, (laughs) right? Georgia Tech was a part of the SEC at one point. I mean, it's not like this, this is like the size of this is different and new, like Texas and Oklahoma, like, oh, okay, that's huge, right? And A&M was a big draw. But like the conference realignment's been happening. Just nobody's been nobody paid attention to it. And there wasn't anything more than weekly newspapers when it was happening to Swanee and Tulane. But I think I've always thought of I guess it was right after AM and Missouri. You're you know, I was in college at that time. We were trying to think like, all right, who else would come in? And automatically you go, Oh, well, go get Florida State, go get Miami go get Clemson. Like those, that makes way too much sense. But then like Florida's going to get all pissy because they don't want to have another team in the state. And so, so will South Carolina. And it's like, well, screw you guys. You're already playing them once a year anyway. What does it matter? Like you're still recruiting against them. What does it matter? And I know Georgia doesn't want Georgia tech in there anymore. They don't want to share the state with sec teams. Well, that hasn't stopped Alabama and Auburn from winning a national title. Like, so what, so quit being whiny babies about it. And if it's going to make everybody more money, then now it's up to you to use that money in a smarter way to go win more. Any of these schools that ever complain about matchups that they get, that they may get saddled with in any amount of realignment, shut your mouth. Alabama and Georgia every year, forever and always and they're like protected rivalry yeah. like i and i don't i'm not on this train and i know the traditionalists they really hate this you could take alabama off the schedule and i would celebrate take them off i do not care because you know what we could do win another football game <laughs> and it's not this oh we would miss it's the third saturday in october and the only reason football games the only reason why i like it on the schedule is because i can compare seasons to each other right it's like yeah you know what i'm saying like if alabama is not on the schedule and georgia's not on the schedule because they rotate maybe you rotate the two i don't know maybe you go one-on-one off with with those now you can kind of compare that a little bit but like if you rotated Alabama like you do Auburn then how do you judge one nine and three versus another ten and two that you've had in season past you know what I mean on on that I do think you still have to with this realignment and I think this is probably what they're going to end up doing you do stick with 
two or three teams that you play perpetually. I mean, that's that's what has continued to be thrown out is that model. You keep the yeah, traditional yeah, stuff. Yeah. And uh, you would have... And I mean, that that's where, like, I would be okay with the staying... I mean, I said that in that Barrett interview, but, like, I'm okay with something like that. I'm okay with a Georgia, ultimately, even though they're a powerhouse now. Like, some of these staying but if one of those gets shaved off i'm not gonna weep i'm not gonna oh we lost the alabama <laughs> we lost georgia we but uh, you're still gonna get good football yeah no matter what no i'm not gonna lose sleep over it if that's like yeah like i'm like i'm honestly not gonna care like that much like it's still you know they're gonna play 12-ish football games a year now what's happening I can't hear you anymore. You muted yourself. <laughs> there we go. That's great podcasting right there. Oh, yeah. Well, what uh, happened? What happened over there? I was getting a phone call. Could you hear that? I thought I heard something. It did not sound like a phone call, though. Was it a landline? Yeah. Well, I I work at the house, and that's... You have a landline? Mm-hmm. First, it's like an actual office job, and... Oh, okay. So yeah, you yeah, have yeah. an office like landline. That's it again, too, right? <laughs> I, I'm gonna have to just dis- I'm gonna have to disconnect I'm not working right now I mean obviously I'm doing this hold on this, this is excellent stuff yeah it's great oh man an office landline there congratulations all around I unplugged it from the wall that's just you went full rogue and just said screw it well I'm not I'm not I mean I'm not like on the clock no yeah it, you're not so. stealing time yeah <laughs> so, I'm you know uh but they, I still just get that it's still, it's just in here because it's my office. Yeah, um, that makes sense. I, I'm going to keep all that in. The people need to know. <laughs> no, it's fun. Like, that's that's the fun <laughs> part of stuff. He's like, why why does Charlie have a landline? Oh, okay. And he also just unplugs it from the wall. Yep. That's good. So there you go. I'll, and to, to my employer, I'll plug it back in. Don't worry. We'll, I'll get back. Yeah, it's just, just for like five more minutes. And it gets forwarded to my cell phone anyway. So, yeah. Um, but I... Yeah, I I know that there I offend the traditionalists with that take, but I I just the football's gonna be awesome anyway. If it gets if the Alabama game becomes the Tennessee Miami game, that's awesome. If the Alabama game becomes Tennessee Clemson, that's awesome. If the Alabama game becomes yeah. something else, I just it's gonna be good football no matter how you slice it because the SEC. You're playing well, the, best it, the one if it becomes Virginia, then you're like, all right. Like, eh. But it's but I think in that scenario that would be in that rotating slot probably, right. and you're yeah. you're not going to play them every single year. I mean that that's that's how I feel about Vandy at this point in basically every sport is that we, they just have laid down their athletic department doesn't care anymore, and so just just let them out to pasture. Like we don't need this. Yeah, I've lived uh, a mile and a half away from Vanderbilt Stadium for almost six full years, and not once has my life been altered by traffic going to <laughs> anywhere. Uh, and so if you lived a mile and a half from Neyland Stadium, do you know how much of a bitch that would be? <laughs> like I used game to. Days? I used to live in downtown Knoxville, and uh, and it I, literally streets closed down, and everything traffic gets diverted. You have to prepare. Yeah, and you're telling me that West End doesn't get shut down every single time Bandy plays a football go game. The heck, you want to go? It doesn't matter. Like, <laughs> I seriously, the only noise that I've heard coming out of that stadium 
at my house was a Jay-Z Beyonce concert from like four years ago, which was awesome because wife and I were sitting watching TV in our living room and we hear 99 problems like super faintly. And we're like, that's awesome. What is happening? And then we open the front door and we're like, oh, that's actually Jay-Z. <laughs> so, I did. I saw, I saw Drake and Vandy one time. So they, you? yeah, for whatever reason, if uh, Drake and Phoenix at people, they were playing a like festival thing. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I think the most inconvenience I've had uh, around that area is uh, is caused by like Instagram girls taking pictures at the at the wings down. At, is that at Twelve South down there? Yeah, the, 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 there's I think there's several sets of wings. Uh, oh now. man, yeah. There's also some like kissy lips over by the Vandy area, and Ugh. that's just dumb because it they're in like they're on a wall where you have to drive to go park behind a restaurant, like. And so you're just trying to turn off the, the road into the parking lot. There's these girls taking pictures in front of kissy lips. That's so And annoying. you're just like, this is so stupid. Like, and they don't the, even see me. I'm just driving there. There was literally the last time I, I think I went to frothy monkey or something down there. My sister lives in Nashville. Yeah. I go there a lot. Um, and there was a line down the block to take a picture with the thing with whatever it was that's down there. I think it is one of the wings. Yeah. Um, just don't I but Never have <laughs> to to all of the the Instagram influencers no. that listen to this show please just stop doing that <laughs> yeah there's so many Nashville things that I will never do and I just uh, roll my I just roll my eyes so hard just how like, many uh, how many times have you ridden the party bus zero ten, 10 plus <laughs> zero times <laughs> the worst one in it you know I actually haven't seen it this year because I try to avoid their roots uh, but the one that's a hot tub. Oh um, yeah. I've and seen it's, it. it's elevated. And so like we're in our cars or like below it and it's got like the see-through walls on the hot tub. So you're just seeing a lot of like the worst angle of every human being's body sitting in a hot tub, like in the middle of the street, just looking up at like, I don't, I don't want to see that at all. Dude, we, uh, I was there with my wife and they all congregate. I guess they start in the frugal McDougal parking lot. A that, lot of them do yeah. that giant liquor store. Yeah. And they clog up the parking lot for one thing. Like we yeah. were just trying to go get like bourbon for a thing that we were going to. And we go in there. Uh, it's my, my wife wanted to use the bathroom. All of these, the, the woo girls that all ride those party buses, the line was 40 people long for the bathroom. <laughs> so you couldn't get in. They're clogging up the parking lot. It's just like, it, does everything have to be a nuisance in Nashville? I don't let's let's go back to 1990 and just, you know, Rivergate was the popping place to be. Maybe oh, let's go back no, I mean, I still you know, it's a great place to live. It really is. And like I'm close enough yeah. to I can be in all of that mess if I choose to. But I'm also not. So it doesn't affect me that much. It is. It's still I mean, that's we said it in, in that interview with uh, with Barrett. It's like the best place to go in the SEC. I've. I'll give Vandy that you are a decent city. They don't, they don't use it. They don't use it. That's true. Kick them out. Kick them out. Uh, well, that became an entire aside about the yeah. city of Nashville and just us bitching about it. So um, you're welcome to anybody that wanted to hear that. I don't know. <laughs> uh, Charlie Burris. That's Austin Stanley. Thanks to everybody for listening. I got to, I got to get my music here. Uh, and so that I can do this the the correct way. At Charlie underscore Burris. At uh is yours just at Austin, Austin Stanley? Stanley 81. 
81, Austin Stanley, 81, Zach TNT for Zach's Twitter at A to Z Sports, A to Z Sports.com for all of the stuff on the internet that we do. Site is absolutely blowing up. If you're a fan, I mean, what are all the teams now? The You got you Tampa, know, Dallas, all of the Chicago. Nashville, Dallas, Kansas City, Green Bay, Cincinnati, Pittsburgh, Chicago, Tampa. Literally, if you are a fan of any of those teams, A to Z Sports.com. We're not stopping either. Yeah, we're not just gonna, we're not just gonna sit here at eight for much longer. Taking over the world, A to Z Sports. <laughs> uh, that's it though. Thanks, dude. Thanks for doing this. This was sure. awesome. I get well and plug just plug your your stuff, everything that you're doing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the podcast network's great for what you guys have been doing. You and Zach do a great job. Uh, but if you don't listen to the live shows uh, that myself and Zach Bingham host, the A to Z Mornings Live. Every weekday, 8 a.m. Central Time. If you're in Knoxville, that's just 9 a.m. Eastern Time. We go about for about an hour, cover the Titans. We're about to have a ton of great Titans training camp coverage uh, with our access that we have at Titans training camp coming up later on uh, this month. And so pumped about that. Pumped about some new things we have coming up uh, really to kick off August. So a lot of things going with A to Z Sports. But definitely subscribe to the YouTube channel if you have not because – we're going to have things covering the Titans on top of what you and Zach do with the Vols and the Big Orange podcast. Uh, we're going to have a great YouTube channel. Uh, so it's it's stepping its game up a lot. So looking forward to that. Yeah, the, the YouTube has driven probably the most traffic for this show. It's It's been awesome so yeah. far. I've been super happy with it. But there you go. A to Z sports for all of your sports needs. Charlie Burris, Austin Stanley. Thanks to everybody. For watching, listening, however you took this in, and we'll talk to y'all next week. Oh,